Hello, sisters. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Adorno Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Charles, and I wanted to start today by introducing a bit of a series, if you will, on biblical beauty. This is a podcast for women, as you know, and as women, we have been uniquely endowed by our Creator to love and appreciate beauty. Now, when I say the word beauty, I'm sure in your mind you have some picture or concept of what I mean when I say that. However, the definitions of the world often inform our ideas of things, and anything of the world is a perversion of how God designed and defined it. The world would tell you that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I would counter that by saying beauty is what God says is beautiful. So what we want to do over the next few weeks is get a good idea of how God defines true beauty and how that applies to our walk with him. I talked to you in the last podcast about the glory of God and glorifying God. If you missed that, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It is episode three entitled Glory Be. In it, I talked about how every single area of our lives are to be lived in such a way that we glorify God in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we think, and in all that we feel. What I want to look at today is what the Bible has to say about the heart, more specifically, the hidden person of the heart, and how we glorify God in how we feel. 1 Peter 3, 3-4 says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Right away, I want to say this is not saying that we can never braid our hair or wear fancy clothes or gold jewelry. Not at all. I believe it is saying that how you adorn yourself, true adornment, is not to be external, but internal. You've heard the cliche phrase, it's what inside that counts? Well, in God's kingdom, it truly is. So what exactly is this inner person of the heart? I'm pretty sure you have a pretty good idea of what I mean by this, but just to be clear, it is the you inside that no one else can see unless you let them. It's the thoughts you think, the dialogue you have, the judgments you make, the reactions you feel, the motivations you experience. Those are all the inner person, and those all start in the heart. This matter of the heart, or the inside, is a tricky subject, I think, especially for us women. I say especially, not because men are devoid of emotions and affections, but because God designed women to feel or emote differently. Of course, that's not always the case with everyone everywhere, but generally speaking, Women tend to have more emotions about things, make decisions based on emotions, or react emotionally. Here's where it gets tricky, in my opinion. Our adorning is to be the hidden person of the heart. It is that version of the self that is hidden from plain view of men, but that God sees clearly. We seem to be pretty good at putting on the face that we want the world to see. There's a new phrase I've been hearing that goes something like, you have to be Instagram-ready or Insta-worthy. It's the idea of always having your best face on and giving the world the perception that you have it all together. In fact, so together that you would dare to post it on the socials for all to see. 
It is placing such great worth on the opinion of man, but truly the only opinion that matters is God's. Man look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We need to ask ourselves and be honest with ourselves. Are we more concerned with the world's perception of us than God's? If that's the case, we have misplaced holiness. Here's the problem. In Jeremiah, he tells the people of Judah that their hearts are wicked. Those people, like all people, start out in the bondage of sin and our hearts are turned away from God. When we are redeemed by Christ and saved by him for himself, he gives us a heart of flesh to replace the heart of stone. The Holy Spirit starts to change our hearts and turn them more to Christ. The problem is, as long as we're in this world, we are creatures of habit and we are well-versed in sin. So our hearts could easily be the first thing that feels the tug of worldly emotions back to our old selves. But Paul tells us in Ephesians to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Praise Jesus that we have a helper, the Holy Spirit, that gives us the power to resist the old self. But sometimes things get fuzzy. The heart is not the most discerning. That is usually what the mind is for. We hear statements like, follow your heart or trust your heart. Most often, advice like that, when heeded, leads to the way of the world, since it's advice from the world. It's an anthem to trust yourself rather than God, to do what you want to do, not what God has for you, to listen to what your heart says, not what God says. As godly women, we have to be on our guard. Often things like that sound good, but we need to hold them up against God's standard and see if they are of him or not. We need to ask, will this glorify God or me? Is this beautiful in God's eyes or the world's? And that needs to be a practice for all Christ's followers. We need to hold all things up against God's standard, even the things of our heart and our emotions. Can we tell when we have properly ordered godly emotions or when we're reacting or responding selfishly as the world would? Do we acknowledge when our inner dialogue is filled with God-glorifying phrases or self-glorifying phrases? Do we recognize when we're truly serving out of a heart for God or when we're serving to get the accolades? Do we catch our thoughts being mindful of Him or filled with us? This is such a hard thing to do because we are all our best cheerleaders. And I don't mean we think highly of ourselves all the time. I mean that we think way too much about ourselves, positive or negative. We don't like to be honest with ourselves, and sometimes we are unable to see ourselves clearly. But this is where the Holy Spirit is our helper. We need to ask God to help us to be honest with ourselves and to show us the areas where we excuse or justify our emotions and behavior and where we have a big blind spot. We need to pray as David, asking God to search us and know us, show if there be any wicked way in us. We always have the scapegoat option to ignore what he brings to our attention, but if we truly want to be women after God's heart, we need to be honest and face our selfishness and ask him to fill us. An analogy I've heard before, and perhaps you have too, that was a very vivid picture to me was that of a cup. Whatever is in the cup is going to spill out when it gets bumped. Our hearts or inner persons are the same. If my heart is filled with myself, You can be sure when I get bumped, sinful, selfish nastiness is going to spill up all over. If my cup is full of Christ, when I'm bumped, he spills out. 
Now, while that's a vivid analogy for me, it's so much easier said than done. Again, because I'm a creature of habit and steeped in the ways of sin, it takes actual practice for me to allow the Holy Spirit to fill me and have him spill out when I'm bumped. I'm very good at filling me with me. I'm not so good at bowing my will to the Father's on a moment-by-moment basis. It's a muscle that must be exercised, because that old self is the muscle memory that spills out when I'm bumped. I had an incident recently where I did this oh so, so poorly. I had been away on a planning retreat for three days up north in Michigan. I had made plans for my girls to be babysat while my husband was at work. Those plans got changed a bit, but I didn't think it was any big deal. So I was gone for three days, and when I came home, I was tired and overwhelmed because it was a lot of work, but glad to be home and able to sleep in my own bed. That is, until I unlocked the door and went in. I won't repeat all the thoughts that went through my head, but none of them were God-glorifying. There was a gallon of milk sitting on the stool right inside the door. There were dishes on just about every counter surface. It seemed every shoe in the house was on the mat just inside the door. And there was a mountain of laundry splayed in the front of my washing machine with a small sand dune underneath it waiting for me. I'm not really sure what my expectation was, because this is not necessarily out of the ordinary, but I still did not react well. Instead of being grateful for the wee hands that got their own breakfast and wore all the clothes on a fun camping trip, I got downright annoyed that now I had a much bigger mess to clean up before I could even begin to tackle my own unpacking mess I brought home with me. I wish I could say it took me a couple minutes to take those thoughts captive to Christ. It did not. It took much, much longer. (laughs) Thankfully, no one was home yet, but as I stomped around the house trying to find the floor and the counters, I kept hearing the still small voice urging me to knock it off. But my inner dialogue was too loud, and I was too distracted to recognize the voice. I'm not certain what it was that finally knocked me out of my angry self-pity party, But when I held those emotions against God's standard, I had a moment of embarrassment and shame. In those grumbling moments, my feeling was that of a selfish, selfless martyr sacrificing for my family and my inner dialogue fueled it. How many times do I have to say the same thing over and over again? How many times do I have to do the same things over and over? The reality was that I was and am absolutely not a martyr, and the absurdity of it is almost laughable to look up back on, but in that moment, my emotions were telling me something that wasn't true at all. It was only when the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance that those little people are the souls I've been entrusted with, by God, to bring up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. The work that comes with them is the good work he has placed before me to do. I am told in Colossians to work cheerfully and diligently as for the Lord and not for men. The works that are before me are the good works that he prepared for me, that I should walk in them, and they are good. It annoys me that I still go so readily back to the selfish old man. It also annoys me how often I have to confess my sin to God. I'm longing for the day when sin will be no more, but until that day, as John Owen says, I'd be killing the sin or it'd be killing me. But this is where God is sanctifying me, and all of us, if we're believers. This is the growing up process into mature Christians. No, we're not going to get it right all the time, or in my case, most of the time. But it's what we do after that matters, and the next time. Are we sensitive to the illuminating of the Holy Spirit when he brings our sins and character flaws to light? 
or would we rather save face and justify our thoughts and actions by thinking we weren't in the wrong? I once heard a quote by an author that has really stuck with me. It went, Sometimes we have to tell our emotions to shut up and salute Jesus. At first glance, I bristled because I thought God made our emotions as a way to experience him. But as I thought more about it and read more into the heart behind the quote, I realized how much I needed to do this. If you're anything like me, there are times when what I'm experiencing emotionally is not true or right. There are times when how I feel about something is not the way it is. The devil would love for me to stay in my emotionally cloudy bubble of grumbling and sin, but when I'm able to get a right view of the bigger God picture and see things as they really are, the grumbling and sinning stop. When I tell my emotions to shut up and salute Jesus, my eyes are fixed on him. If I say he is the Lord of my life, I better act like I believe what I say. Thanks be to God that he helps us to glorify him with our emotions. And praise Jesus that he tells us plainly what is beautiful in his eyes and empowers us to become that godly beauty. He is able to change our heart of stone to a heart of flesh and transforms our hidden person of the heart into a place where he resides and spills out when we are bumped, which, in his eyes, is precious. I'll leave you with this word from Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the outermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Thank you for joining me this week. If you have any questions or comments that you'd like to pass along, or if there is a specific topic that you'd like us to talk about, please email us at adornopodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time at the table.